as Christians, uh, we agree on 99%. Um, so to say that, you know, the Bible is fraught with, quote unquote, which means that contradiction runs all the way through it. Uh, I think the remarkable thing is that uh, the opposite is true, that the, the Bible is internally consistent and coherent to a remarkable degree. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Vast Podcast. I'm here with David Campbell. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. <laughs> Michael Whittle is with us as well, and we're talking today about some toxic theology. Yeah, so what's up, everybody? Um, this is a segment that we used to do more often, and uh, there is a lot of toxic theology out there. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to read to you guys a couple of quotes from a very popular podcast uh called the bible for normal people and this is a podcast that has really gained a lot of steam especially over the last couple of years and they probably wouldn't call themselves a deconstructionist podcast but uh they they i, I would say they definitely are and so i just want to read a couple of um quotes from this podcast to you guys and just get your quick takes on it one of it has one of these uh comments has to do with the uh culture in which uh, the Bible was written and then how we interpret that. And then the other one is uh, on the subject of iner inerrancy. So the first, the first comment is this, uh, what has occurred over history is because the dominant culture gets to write the commentaries that focus on their perspective, that then becomes the truth of that verse. There is so much more in that verse. If we begin to read it from the perspective of the poor, the marginalized, and the disenfranchised, God's self-revelation to humanity does not occur from the centers of world power, but in the margins of society, which is what is required for the salvation of the center and for the creation of a just society. The radical commitment to be in solidarity with those who exist on the margins of society and to accompany them in their own daily struggle. Well, you see, there's postmodern philosophy right there in a nutshell, uh, because the assumption is that there are certain oppressed groups that get to dictate the meaning, uh, and the rest have to listen. The problem is, for, for whoever made this statement, uh, they've got their own idea of who's an oppressed group and who isn't, and they probably think that they've got a pretty good interpretation. Uh, but uh, th that's a question of definition. See, um, uh, who is going to determine who gets the right to exegete Scripture? And this is this is this is where a statement sounds very pious, but actually it's very very dangerous and exclusive because what this person is actually saying behind it all is, my, I myself and the people that think the way I do are the only ones that have the legitimate right to interpret the Bible. That's what this, this man or woman is saying. That's, let's be clear about that. It's not some pious thing about, you know, oh, there's oppressors and we should listen to the poor and the marginalized. No, what this person is saying, who probably isn't poor and marginalized at all, but is some fairly well-off academic, liberal, elite person, um, saying it's my interpretation. I don't actually like the way the church has interpreted it for 2,000 years. So I'm going to say that's all dominant, oppressive theology, 
and throw it out um, simply on the basis that that's what has been in place for 2,000 years. Therefore, it's automatically wrong because, you know, it's institutionalized and so on. And I have my own interpretation. And so move over, please. I'm just going to give an interpretation that no one else has ever believed in. But you see, so that's, that's, that's all that is. It's just a cover for imposing a meaning that does not itself arise naturally out of the biblical text. And that person is going to impose a, you know, uh, Western, liberal, elitist, wealthy, university-educated, probably white mindset or cultural construct or whatever on uh, what is actually an ancient Near Eastern document. Uh, and uh, I would say, in all, with all due respect, that Christians have been marginalized for 2,000 years, and the large majority of the church was in the first few centuries anyway, and they set the standard for interpretation which we haven't moved very far from since. And, you know, half or two-thirds of the leaders of the early church were black, marginalized, poor people. So, you know, this person who's quoted this is probably has absolutely no time for any of those marginalized black or Asian poor people that were the le entire leadership of the first four centuries of the church. Uh, and maybe they should, they, they should just shut up and listen to what some of those people had to say. So that's my intemperate uh, uh, contribution at the moment. I get kind of picked up with idiots like this. Forgive me. No, I, I, yeah, I couldn't say it nearly as well as you. But again, th this is reading. It's, it's putting forward the idea that we should read the text through some kind of intersectional lens um, where oppressed is defined in a way that is uh, certainly not how the Bible defines oppressed. Um, and it's, uh, it's just a dead end. I mean, it's like, it's rather than trying to uncover the meaning of a text, it's giving us permission to say, essentially it's like a modern day Gnosticism, right? Like it's, it's, it's going off of the, the special knowledge that somebody in a certain position in society can possess and only they can possess. And those who are not in that same, um, place on the intersectional matrix can't possibly possess that knowledge because of their position of privilege. Um, and it's, it's, that's modern day Gnosticism. I find it passingly curious that the kind of people that purvey this liberal garbage, uh, have absolutely no intention of listening to the poor and marginalized Christian leaders throughout the third world today who have a very conservative view of biblical interpretation. You know, see how, postmodern liberalism goes over in the African churches. Let me tell you, it won't go over very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll run you out of town. Please, some rich Californian, forgive me, but we're on to this Californian thing. Is some rich, liberal, probably white Californian uh, telling the, the African Christian leaders that he, she, or they are more marked than they are, and they should, uh, they're actually oppressive and dominant, and et cetera, and should move over and listen to what's coming out of Berkeley. Well, forget it. Great. Okay. Toxic theology question number two. And this is again from the Bible for Normal People podcast. It says this A deep problem with inerrancy is that it presumes the notion that the Bible properly understood will yield one and only one authoritative meaning. 
but the Bible is famously fraught with ambiguities and tensions that are part of the character of the scripture and the result of either intentional internal debates by the authors of the of the natural byproduct of diverse diverse authors writing at diverse times under diverse circumstances and for diverse reasons. Well, again, I think that's rubbish. I mean, to me, turn it on its head. The remarkable thing about the Bible is that having been produced by, uh, you know, dozens of different writers over centuries of time, that it is so internally coherent, so remarkably internally coherent. And when you look at the interface between um, Old Testament prophecy and New Testament fulfillment, it becomes uh, extraordinary. Uh, and, and uh, you know, they're really, we can, we can uh, agree on the fact that you you can interpret certain segments of the Bible in a nuanced way, um, but fundamentally, as Christians, uh, we agree on ninety nine percent. So to say that you know the Bible is fraught with quote unquote, which means that contradiction runs all the way through it. Uh, I think the remarkable thing is that uh, the opposite is true that the, the Bible is internally consistent and coherent to a remarkable degree. And, um, you know, I think that, that the, the difference is not between conservative biblical scholars who hold a high view of scriptural authority. Uh, we would all say, we're, whether we're Pentecostal, Arminian, Charismatic, whatever, we would all say we, agree, we have an extremely, exceedingly high uh, degree of agreement on uh, the uh, d- uh, doctrines of the Bible and what the, the worldview of the Bible and what the Bible says. Um, the people that see the Bible as contradictory are the people that don't believe in the Bible to begin with. And uh, they try to read in uh, contradictory notions to it to justify their low view of scripture. Uh, and I think they fail. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a bit of a straw man argument, right? So just like you said, to say that the Bible is fraught with these kinds of issues um, is to set up, set it up as uh, really problematic when in fact it's, it's not um, so that they can easily uh, knock it down and stick to their argument of inerrancy being, um, you know, in their view, I'd assume they'd, they'd view that as a tool of the oppressor. It's mm-hmm. a way to just kind of force, um, a certain kind of view on, on people. And, uh, it's, it's a really convenient way to go about the argument just to reduce the Bible down to how they've described it. Great. Okay. Final words. And I want to leave you with this one. Quick hot takes. This is not from the Bible for normal people podcast. This is from somebody else that will remain anonymous. If you believe God became human, then you can believe someone can be a different gender than they were at birth. What the logic of that escapes me somewhat, uh, because a nation is a once in all history. Of, it's not intended, so it's not normative for human beings. So right there, the argument goes out the window. Uh, besides which, the issue of God creating the male and female, um, and God becoming man are two entirely different uh, 
things. And I'm not sure I understand how they would correlate. So I think this person, with all due respect, needs to brush up on their logic a little bit. I'm not even going to dignify that with a remark. Fantastic. Jake, Dave, thank you for your time. That was brilliant. Mm -hmm.